listening. And we're talking about the theme is gospelpreneurship. And the title tonight is The School of Success. The School of Success. Now, if you've been tracking with us, we have been studying the Bible on Monday evenings along with the book Education. And we are just pulling out as many principles as possible that will help us be better believers, better Christians in this present world. So uh, just just get ready to study and let's bow our heads. Let's ask God to be our teacher as we open the Bible. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study, being able to take time away from the rush and hustle and bustle of this present world. And taking the opportunity, Lord, to open our Bibles and to really meet your mind. And Father of our natural selves, we cannot understand the deep things of God. So we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask this knowing that you can do abundantly above whatever we ask or think. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, very good. So hopefully you've come ready you've come ready to study. We are going to do a little bit of review and at the same time we're going to press forward and add a new nuance or a little bit more nuance to our study. So we're actually in the 6th chapter of the book Education and we are looking at some key principles. So I want to repeat uh, some of these principles to you for these are the keys to success, okay? These are going to be the principles for the undergirding of eternal realities or eternal success. In fact, uh, to begin this evening, let's open our Bibles. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter one, Joshua chapter one, and we're going to read a couple of verses there. Joshua chapter one, and we're going to begin reading at verse number six. Actually, let's start at verse number number five. And this is this is the communication that heaven is having, giving encouragement to Joshua. And notice what the Bible says in verse five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So God is communicating to Joshua, telling him that he's not going to be forsaken. God will be with him. Notice what else it says. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So notice prosperity is directly connected with obedience to God's instruction or his law. Please notice that. I'll read it again. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. 
turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So the, the instruction is, don't try, to, don't try to adjust God's instruction. Don't try to adjust God's law, right? But try to focus and stay right in track with what God has instructed. It goes on to say, but this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, why is it saying that? Why say out of thy mouth? What it's saying is out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But thou shalt meditate therein, how often? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way, what's it say? Prosperous. And then thou shalt have what? Good success. So here it is that Joshua is taking over from Moses, and God is telling Joshua, I'm going to be with you every step of the way, but in this process, in these steps that we are going to be taking, you are required to follow my instruction and don't deviate to the left, don't deviate to the right, stay right in line with what I have told you, and you will find yourself prosperous, and you will find yourself having good success. Good success. Now, I want to review a couple of things with you, so I'm going to share my screen here. I want to review a couple of things that we've covered in the past, and hopefully we can bring everyone up to speed when it comes to this subject matter. So we talked about Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Remember in Genesis 1, 26, God creates man in his own image after his own likeness, right? And when we talked about God creating man after his own image and after his own likeness, we're talking about God creating him, body, mind, and soul to reflect the reality of this most sacred uh, venture with God. So when God creates man, body reflects God, mind reflects God, the soul or spirit reflects God, total reflection in the creation of man. Then we read in the first chapter of the book Education that when God created man, he created him to have a harmonious development in body, mind, and soul. Harmonious, meaning there should not be an overdevelopment of the body and without a development of the soul. And there should not be a supposedly an overdevelopment of the soul and the neglect of the body. And the same thing with the mind. There should be a harmonious development. Now, what that told us is it, it, it simply brought to our minds that if we are going to be the Christians that we're supposed to be, if we're going to be those persons that reflect Christ in our daily lives, then we must pay attention to all three of these categories, body, mind, and soul. So we can't just say, oh, well, I'm just going to take care of my body and I'm just going to eat well. We can't do that. We have to take care of it all. We have to, you have, we have to, now when I say have to, uh, forgive me for saying it that way, for that may, that may make it seem like you and I have the natural strength to do it. We don't. But what it is to say is we plus, plus put our mind on the side of God's plan so that God can work in us both the willing and the doing to fulfill what God originally intended for his people. 
So body, mind, and soul, we are to reflect God and have that development harmoniously. And then we looked at this. We looked at another point. Another point was in that same paragraph, it says that we're, developed, we're to develop body, mind, and soul. And then it says that we are to also develop the, the spirit of joyful service. Joyful service in this world and also in the world to come. And so when we're looking at education or the development of men or a person that's preparing to run a business or an organization or have a family, there is a development of body, mind, and soul and there is this spirit of service that must be demonstrated by those who claim to know the name of God. This is what true education is to teach. This is what is to bring forth. This is what is supposed to be demonstrated. Now, let's take it a little bit further. Now, I, today, I spent a little bit of time putting together this little picture. Now, I didn't draw this picture. It's from somewhere on Facebook, on, on Google. I found this picture of the Ten Commandments, and I, I liked it because on one side it has the four commandments on one side and then the six on the other. And the reason for that is this. When we're talking about true education, remember now we're talking about the harmonious development of body, mind, and soul. And that, that development can only be had as one has direct connection with God, body, mind, and soul. That can only be happen when you are in fellowship with God. The other part about this Again, we just read this. True education talks about the development of the joy of service in this world and in the world to come. So when we go to heaven, we're not going to be sitting around on harps, just stroking them all day long, although there will be a time for that. In heaven itself, we're going to actually be doing acts of service. Now, these two elements, as I trace them to the book education, has their foundation in the love for God and the love for your neighbor. That has the foundation in the love for God and the love for your neighbor. They are together. They go to in one and the same. Remember, the source of true education, the highest form of true education is to know God. And to love God and to love your neighbor is the foundation. For instance, let me give you an example. You'll notice that when we talked about true education, and then we're supposed to learn the joy of service, service in this world and world to come. Do you know that the last six commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. You know, those, those commandments are commandments of how to deal with your fellow man. Do you guys realize that? That's service. That's serving your brother. That's serving your sister. Oftentimes, we think of the commandments as restrictions, when in reality, they are promises of God to work in us an unselfish motive, an unselfish mind. Then the first four commandments, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Why is that a commandment having to do with the harmonious development of body, mind, and soul? Well, it's simple, my friends. We become like what we behold. We become like what we behold. We become like what we watch, what we read, what we listen to. So we must be careful about what we are putting in. Okay? Let me show you something else. Notice this. Leviticus, Luke chapter 10 and verse 27. 
Luke 10, 27 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. My friends, do you see that? That this, this first component, the first four commandments, particularly are emphasizing this love for God. That's what it's emphasizing. And then we see that the second portion, Matthew 22 to 30, 39 says, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, hang all the teachings that are necessary to have a successful ministry, to have a successful home, to have a successful nation. It's on these two laws hang all the Ten Commandment law and all the other laws that are applicable for our day. Please note, I want us to go back for a moment. Luke 10, 27, you see it. I want you to think about it. Ask yourself the question, do you love God with all your heart? Now, what is all your heart? What is that indicating? All your heart is the indication of your passions, right? Your, your, that which you love, that which gets you motivated every day. Do you love God with all your heart? And with all your soul, what is that? The soul is the spiritual nature of man. Do you love God with this, your whole spiritual entity? Do you love him with that? Then it says, with all thy strength. What's the strength? The strength is the physical nature of man. Do you love God with your physical nature? And then lastly, with all your mind. What you think? Who has your heart, my friends? And when God says all, he means all. It's not to be shared with anyone else. He wants all. And he's not being selfish because it's in the beholding of him that we become loving for other people. It is not that we are with people so they can love us. We are with people so that we can love them. This is the heart and mind of God. God does not love us because we loved him. He loves us because he's love. God loves the unlovable. Do you see it, my friends? Do you see from the very beginning when God is developing the harmonious development of body, mind, and soul, he is it is in this fellowship with him that we, we gain in this true experience. And in that fellowship now springs forth love for others. Thou will not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Those all emanate from our love for God. Are you following? I hope, I hope this is making sense thus far. We're reviewing, but it's principally something that we must remember. Now, we talked about the source of true education. We, we made clear that the source of this education, in fact, open your Bibles. Just, just do a quick review. Colossians, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 3. Notice the Bible says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in whom are hid all the, wisdom, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? It's talking about Jesus. In Jesus, in God himself, is hid all the wisdom, all the knowledge that is necessary for God's people to find success in this world and the world to come. Job. 12, 13. Go to Job 
chapter 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, with him is wisdom. With him, who's to him? That's with God. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Again, the source of wisdom, the source of knowledge, the source of strength is found in God. So no matter what field of study you enter into, no matter what field of study you enter into, uh oh, I passed something. All these lines of education truly find their truthfulness in God, whether it be physics, science, mathematics, English, geography, grammatical syntax. These find their place in God. And when they don't find a place in God, they are irrelevant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So all true knowledge finds its source in a person, in God. Now, so true education then, no matter what school I go to, whether it's homeschool or the great universities of this world, these schools, if they are not pointing us to God and reliance upon God, then they may not be the best places. I mean, I say may not, that's like a passive aggressive. They are not the best places for the people of God if God is not surely your bestest of friend. If, he's not, if you're not anchored in the Lord, you do not go into the den of lions. You cannot go into the fiery furnace. You cannot go into those crisis situations for your faith will be robbed from you. So it's imperative, whatever line of knowledge, when you sit down at night and you're watching whatever television program you're watching, is that program helping you to know and understand the things of God better? Is there spiritual vitality in that which you are consuming? Someone says, well, Brother Andre, does everything have to be spiritual? I guess a great question. Again, mathematics the, the principles of mathematics are found in God himself. So, yes, if you're doing mathematics, do all to the glory of God. If you're doing anatomy and physiology, you're studying it in all glory to God. If you're, if you're studying how to build a business, then you're building that business in glory to God, looking at the principles of God. We're not looking at the world's mindset and spirit we're looking at God's. And if we were to boil it down, remember the basic premise of all true education is harmonious development of body, mind, and soul and joyful service in this world and the world to come. If our education does not tend in that direction, then it is education that we do not need. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Well, let's go a little bit further with this. So true higher education. We read in Job 12, 13 already, Proverbs 2, verse 6. Go there with me. Proverbs 2 and verse 6. This is a review, but I think it's pertinent as we are about to talk about the school of true success in a moment. In Proverbs 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Again, the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord giveth wisdom. This is the place of highest education. 
Again, reviewing on this point, there are four things to understand when we're talking about God's, God creating man and putting man and woman on this world. What, what, what was God's intent in doing this? What was, God, what was the nature of man when God created man? Man was perfect. We talked about this already. Man was absolutely perfect. The nature of man, perfection. The purpose of God in the creation of man was that the more man lived, the more he would reflect this perfection, the more he would reflect and grow in this love for God. But what happens after the fall? Man's nature changes. Man's nature is no longer perfect. Man's nature is no longer bending only to good. Now man's nature bends to evil. It, be, it bends to that which is not so, so good and unpleasing to God. So what does God have to do? If the nature of man has changed, then the instruction for man has to adapt. For the same way God instructed before sin cannot be the exact same way God instructs after sin. Does that make sense? So before sin, the trees and everything is perfect. The grass grows. The fruit just comes and bends and bows to Adam and Eve, right? So that's before sin. After sin, thorns and thistles. In pain, Woman gives birth. Curse is the ground for your sake, God says. The, the roughness and the, the hardship after the fall was designed to help man understand that sin ultimately leads to death. Pain and suffering are a mechanism to help us see that the nature of what's transpired is wrong. Again, and I use this example all the time, but, but I just believe that it's, it's just the most riv, vivid instruction I can use so you can follow. Every time you read about Jesus healing leprosy, please see that event as Jesus dealing with the issue of sin. When someone has leprosy, their senses are dulled. So if they touch a stove and they don't know that, that they're touching a hot stove, their hand literally can be cooking and they won't feel anything. So in mercy, God allows pain to let us know that there's a greater issue at stake. Pain and even disease simply tells us there's a greater problem. Are you following my friends? I hope you're following. So when, let's say for instance, my wife and I have an argument. When that discomfort takes place, that says something is wrong. Somewhere along the way, the equation has been broken. When a child speaks back to its mother or speaks back to its father, then at that moment, you can tell that the equation has been broken. There's something out of place. There's pain there. Now, if there was no pain in the moment of disrespect or in a moment of hurt, and, and if there was no pain there, then you would say, hmm, there's something definitely wrong with that family. They're about to be broken up, split up, because now they are indifferent. Indifference is like leprosy. And there are many that are becoming indifferent in this world. They're becoming indifferent to sin, indifferent to its impact, indifferent. So literally, we will sit and watch things, and it will be like, well, you know, I'm a grown-up. I know that that's not real, but... And then as we're watching it, what's happening to us? Suddenly, doubt is being planted inside. So when a crisis comes, instead of turning to God directly, we have educated our minds after the means of the world, and now we respond like the world would. Pain 
is a blessing from the Most High to remind us something's wrong. Now, we need to fix it. This pain needs to stop as soon as possible. All right, so God's plan is still to be fulfilled in the purpose and the creation of man. God ultimately wants his glory to be reflected and mankind to grow into the person that God designed them to be. But let's go a little bit further with this. I want you to think with me tonight because it's imperative that if you're going to be successful in whatever you put your hands to, you must find the principles taught by God himself. So let's go. Let's pass this. Let me read this. This is from the book Education, page 15, paragraph one. It says, had he remained loyal to God, all this would have been his forever. Talking about the Garden of Eden and its perfection. Throughout eternal ages, he would have continued to gain new treasures of knowledge, to discover fresh springs of happiness, and to obtain clearer and yet clearer conceptions of the wisdom, the power, and the love of God. More and more fully would he have fulfilled the object of his creation. What is the object of man's creation? More and more fully have reflected the creator's glory. Now, when we're talking about reflecting the creator's glory, we're talking about character. So disobedience equals image distortion. Man's made it in the image of God. So disobedience is a distortion of the image. Disobedience is a disconnection. So when I disobey, when you and I disobey, our relationship becomes frayed with God. Now, it doesn't mean that God's left us. It doesn't mean that God hates us. It doesn't mean that God's cast us off. It means that there is a short circuit. The light switch is not coming on like it's supposed to. So when there is a intentional, willful rebellion against God, there is image distortion. And image distortion can only be reversed by connecting back to the source. So all true education begins to put people back to the place where they were originally to be. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. So God's given us a probationary time. There is a re-education. There is a re-education. And re-education and redemption are one and the same. Re-education and redemption are one and the same. And love is the foundation. They, they made a, uh, these skyscrapers. And they made those, the foundation 282 feet deep. They built deep before they built up. So some folks want to build, you know, a $100 million business, or we want to build a nice, fancy missionary training school, or we want to have these wonderful homes, but our foundation has not been built the way it's supposed to have been built. So we need to build the foundation. What is the foundation? Love is the foundation. Love for God and love for your fellow man. This is the foundation. And if we understand these two points, everything else that we build will build in that direction. I know what I'm saying is extremely simple, but if, if, if we as a people could just learn those two points, then we could change the trajectory of how the gospel is being spread even today. So love for God, 
would be demonstrated in sacrificing in the present world for others, serving others. So let me give you another, uh, another concept with this. So remember, remember Joseph in the time of the famine? And when that famine was going on, uh, they knew that the crisis was coming, and Joseph actually prepared for the crisis. And he took taxes from all the people, and he garnered for those seven years of plenty, and he made this massive storehouse for the seven years of famine. When he did that, he did that with the intent of blessing the nation of Egypt and blessing all the nations all around. But do you know the mindset of someone else who does not have love for God and love for his brothers and sisters in mind? And they knew a crisis was coming like that? Excuse me, you know what they would do? They would hoard. They will, get, they will take all the taxes, keep all the money, save all the stuff, keep it in their barns. Everyone's dying all around them, and they would not care. They'd be like, it's just me and my family. It's just me and my nation. That's the mindset of someone who has not had true education. It's the same mindset, brothers and sisters, when the gospel needs to be preached in all the world. And I've experienced this firsthand where missionaries are out there doing the work, sacrificing their lives to get the gospel to the world. And you know what folks are doing? Hiding their money in the stock market. Taking God's money and putting it in some 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 nice little nest egg so they can retire when they're old and they're thinking Jesus is not coming anytime soon anyway. And there's nothing wrong with preparing for the future and having a nice nest egg, but there's something wrong with when you know that people need the gospel and you know that people are sacrificing and doing God's work and you are keeping these blessings that God is giving you. Joseph didn't do that. Joseph prepared for the crisis by taking to give, asking to give. So love is the foundation. Ephesians chapter 3, go there with me very quickly. Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. I love this passage. Uh, when I was uh, baptized, when I, when I was rebaptized, this passage was my favorite passage. And it's so powerful. It says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by what, my friends? By faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes what, my friends? It passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then I love this. This is now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages 
world without end. Did you get that, my friends? That ye be rooted and grounded in love, that ye may know the height and depth and breadth and width. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect, perfect, I, I want to say sphere, but it's a perfect symbol that you can't build if you don't have that being rooted and grounded in love. Love for God and love for your fellow man. And the Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. The love of many will wax cold. And it's because we haven't learned to love. We haven't learned to love. So before, let me, let me pass some of this. This is some of this is review. Last review piece here. We've been given a power akin to that of our creator. What's the power akin to that of our creator? The power to think and to do. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. The world has taken that and they have all their self-help gurus and they're doing all these great things. God came up with it first. He thought and he did. He commanded and it stood fast. So it is with us. If you have the power to conjure in your mind, an idea or a principle, then you think it, then you can practice it. You can do it if you set your heart and mind to accomplish it. The persons that had the power to think and to do were the persons that were granted or given the responsibility to bear large jobs. They were leaders in enterprise and they were influences of character. These are the persons, the people, the people that have the power to think and to do. I was observing some folks today and I really saw how most, a lot, not most, a lot of people, the folks I was observing really were reflecting other people's thoughts. They weren't really creating or, 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 or really digging in and being independent thinkers. They were just almost like automatons, like robots. Somebody tells you to wear this, you wear it. Somebody tells you to eat this, you eat it. Not thinking through the process. Why are they telling me to wear that? What, why are they asking me to eat this? What benefit does this have for me? People are afraid to ask these questions as if to think and process now is rebellion. Mercy. No, friends, we are, we're given the power akin to that of our creator, the power to think and to do. And when this happens, these persons have studied the source. What's the source? The sources are the revelation via the Bible and inspiration and nature. These are the sources of our textbooks, of our true education. And upon studying these two things, my friends, we find our duty and our destiny and our minds strengthen and they expand. We are to be masters and not slaves. We are to be producers and not mere consumers. Now, that being stated, we looked at the first family. Now, get ready, my friends. I want to share this with you. You got to pay attention. Like, I'm about to give you gold right now. We've studied this, but I'm going to share in a simple way. I'm going to give you gold. Schooling originally centered in the family. How do I know? Notice. The Eden school before the fall, we, here are the four things. The school was the Garden of Eden. That's the school room. You find that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. The lesson book was nature, 
and nature in its perfect state. That was the lesson book. Nature in its perfect state. There was only good in nature before the fall. We had a teacher. The teacher, Jesus Christ, the righteous, or the creator himself, the creator is the teacher. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 25. And the first students. Who were the first students? Adam and Eve in their unfallen state. So the classroom was the Garden of Eden. The lesson book was nature. The teacher was the creator. And Adam and Eve were the first students. Now watch the pattern. Remember, schooling centered in the family. Notice this, schooling after the fall. The earth where rested the curse was the classroom or the schoolroom. When I say we're rested the curse, after God cursed the ground, he says, he says, curse is the ground for your sake. That now becomes a means and a modality of education. It's a classroom. Nature. Nature is still a teacher. It's still the lesson book. Now, but now, instead of just having good in nature, there's good and evil in nature. There's good and evil in nature. Remember, now we have the rose. And now the rose has thorns. Thorns are a result of evil. Are you following? And pain is a result of evil. Being thirsty is a result of evil. Because now the body's like, oh, 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 we're, we're lacking hydration. We're like, we never lacked hydration in the Garden of Eden. We never had pain in the Garden of Eden. So now nature is mixed with good and evil. Who's the teacher? Well, the teacher is the redeemer and creator. Genesis 3, verse 15. And lastly, the first students. Who were the first students? It was Adam and Eve. And if I wanted to, I could put the serpent. But Adam and Eve, in their fallen state, were the first students after the fall. Then last week, we looked at the children of Israel. Pay attention. And with the children of Israel, the schooling of Israel in the wilderness had these points. The schoolroom was the wilderness. The key textbook, nature still included, but the key textbook at this point is the sanctuary. Now, why is the sanctuary? Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, right? So God is now in the midst of his people and is using signs and illustrations to teach the plan of salvation. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Psalm 77, verse 13. God's way, his goings are in the sanctuaries. Psalm 68 and verse 24. So the sanctuary now becomes a lesson book a teaching tool that God uses to instruct God's people about who? About God. Remember, in the educational process, we're trying to get to the source. And because sin has come into play, God has to come up with other means outside of just nature, because nature is now tainted with, with evil, so it's not a perfect reflection of who he is. He now uses other illustrations to help us know who God is. All right, you still with me? Who's the teacher? I, fuck, I forgot to change the name, but the teacher is the redeemer and creator. 
i.e. he's in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He's with his children as they're walking along the way. And you can find that again in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 through 40 as well. I uh, have to make an adjustment on that slide. So who are the students? I want you to look at this one. I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22. Exodus 4 and verse 22. So I'm going to make an adjustment in the slide later on to fix the verse for creator. Uh, but anyway, uh, Exodus 4 verse 22. Notice what the Bible says. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my, what's it say? Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So who are the students? Deuteronomy chapter 4. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Israel, and when it says Israel is my son, it's not talking about a singular person. It's talking about Israel as a nation, and, but God sees his people as one. You follow that? So Israel is my son. Remember I told you schooling was centered in the family. It's a family school, a family school. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And I want us to read verse 32 and on. Watch carefully, my friends. The Bible says, the Bible says, for ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from one and ask from the one side of heaven unto the other, whether there have been any such thing as this great thing is, or have been heard like it. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire? Or hast thou or, or thou hast heard and live? Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he showed thee his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of fire. And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them, and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt to drive out the nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to bring thee their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore this day and, and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon earth beneath, and there is none else. And thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day that it may be well with thee and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Do you see it, my friends? Do you see it? 
God in this passage is saying, have you ever seen a God do what I just did? No, I did it. And I am going to instruct you and I'm going to guide you. And this is talking about Israel, his son. The schooling of Israel was a means of education taking place in the wilderness. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern? In fact, I just thought of this as I'm talking to you. If you go through the book, Great Controversy, and you look at the great reformers in the Great Controversy, you'll notice that many of them were not raised in city environments. Many of them were raised in country-like settings before they were sent out to do a great work. Notice the schoolroom is the Garden of Eden. The schoolroom was the wilderness. The schoolroom is the earth where the curse rested. These are places where God can commune with his children directly within nature, directly within inspiration. I hope you're seeing that. I hope you're paying attention. And I, I hope you're looking for ways to apply this in your own experience. Like, how can I take these principles that we're applying here and apply to myself? When can I spend time in nature? How can I spend more time in inspiration? How can I spend more time in Bible study? Sitting as students at the feet of Jesus. There's more. Stay with me here. So now, I, I looked up some, some, some experiences of the people of God because I, I wanted you to see the education <laughs> that God put them through. And I put them on the screen. I'm going to read them to you here. These are some of the miracles that God did as he's walking with the children of Israel in the wilderness. What is he doing? He's teaching them to depend on him. The angel of God goes with them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Super, supernatural miracle. Strong wind made a path for the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Super duper miracle. The chariot's wheels are stuck at the bottom of the Red Sea while the Red Sea drowns them. Super duper miracle. The waters that were bitter were made sweet and drinkable in Exodus 15, verses 22 to 25. Manna rains down from heaven for bread, and God also sends them quail to provide for them for meat. We find this in Exodus chapter 16. Water comes from a rock. Moses raises his hand and allows Israelites to prevail over the Amalekites in Exodus 17, verses 9 to 13. God speaks from the mountain at Sinai supernatural thunders and lightnings. Again, he sends wind and the quail come. Miriam's rebellion and leprosy. You find that in Numbers chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. The ground opens up and swallows up Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, Numbers chapter 16. The budding of Aaron's rod, supernatural because the rod is dead. Water from the rock that Moses strikes and Moses sends, and the bronze snake on the pole, and there's so many more, brothers. These are just a few of God's workings in the behalf of his children. Ultimately, when they get to the Jordan, crossing of the Jordan, he parts the Jordan as they walk over on dry ground to the other side. God is constantly in the business of education. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think honestly with this question. 
what are the educational processes that God has tried to bring you through? What has he tried to teach you? What is his most recent lesson to you? Because if you don't understand how, how he teaches or how he's walking or how he's seeking to instruct, then my friends, how is it going to be possible for you to know his voice even in this our day, right? So you and I must remember what God has done for us in the past. Let's not forget all the miraculous movements that he has done. Let's not forget the great teachings that he has taught us in his word. But if we forget, I promise you, my friends, the lesson comes back around. <laughs> the children of Israel found these lessons over and over and over again because they were not paying attention to the instruction that God was trying to give them. All right. Now, for a moment, before I get to that. As let me go back to this, this here. Let me go back to the original, this. Let me go back here. You see all these different schools, the Eden School, the school after the fall, the school of Israel in the wilderness. As the home neglected to teach God's will and his instruction, sin began to become prevalent in the nation of Israel. Let me read to you a passage. It's found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, and it's become one of my go-to texts. I really do love this text as a teaching text. Proverbs chapter 14, and sister, I've, sister, you are raising your hand. What is your, what is your question? Just go ahead and type your question in, all right? Right now we're in Proverbs chapter 14, and if you have a question, go ahead and type it in the question, question and answer part, and I'll see if I can answer that question. Proverbs chapter 14, and we're looking at verse number 34. Proverbs 14 and verse 34. The Bible says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What happens now? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, if righteousness exalts a nation, and in the home, the parents were neglecting to teach love for God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength, everything. If they were neglecting to teach that, or if in the home, the parents were not teaching, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And they weren't teaching, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false. If they weren't teaching these things, then what were the children learning? So what did God have to do? God had to use a person. Now watch. His name is Samuel. Samuel the prophet. And Samuel the prophet started what we now know as the school of the prophets the school of the prophets. I want to read something to you. I think I put it in here. I'm going to pass these for now. Oh, here it is. From the earliest times, prophets had been recognized as teachers divinely appointed. In the highest sense, the prophet was one who spoke by 
direct inspiration, communicating to the people the messages he had received from God. So in the highest sense, a prophet received direct communication from God and then would communicate that to the people. And we know that Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the prophets, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay? Notice. But the name, speaking of prophet, the name prophet was given also to those who, through not so directly inspired, were divinely called to instruct the people in the works and ways of God for the training of such a class of teachers, Samuel, by the Lord's direction, established the schools of the prophets. Okay? So for the instruction of the people, there were training programs put in place to train the youth. Now, let me just say, and, you know, we run a missionary training school here, and one of the things that I have observed, and, I, and mind you, let me just say this off top, Andre Waller is not perfect in any way, shape, or form. He's growing just like everybody else. But in my observations, what I notice is that many young people have not received the instruction at home. Therefore, we are then called in in our institutions to teach what parents have failed to teach. And God raised it up for this purpose, right? God raised up these training schools for this purpose with the intent to raise up other instructors and teachers to teach the people and to instruct the land. There is no, there is no ill in that. However, it was not God's original plan. And in fact, if there are to be training schools and training institutions, they are to reflect the same pattern that was in the Garden of Eden, that was in the after the fall of man that God orig originally set up. They are to be family-type schools. Not massive, because what's, what's happening? What's the intent of our schooling? Listen to me. Listen carefully. What is the intent of true education? And education goes beyond the borders of any wall. The education goes beyond the borders of any institution. The purpose of education is to teach people how to connect to their God, how to follow the instruction of their God, how to be in communion with their God. When they don't do this, I'm going to read to you some very solemn passages from the Bible. Go with me now to the book of Psalms. Psalms 106. Psalms 106. Notice. Psalms 106, and we're reading. And this, this is a beautiful passage, generally speaking, the whole, the whole Psalms 106. But I want to focus on a part that actually calls my heart concern. And it fits our study. And it's speaking, let's start at verse, let's start at verse 31. The Bible says, and that was counted unto him righteousness unto all generations forevermore. And it's speaking of Phineas, who put it into a plague that was in the, in the, in the nation. 
They angered him also, verse 32, at the waters of strife, so that it was so that it went ill with Moses for their sake, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. What was the result of that? Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works, and went whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. Pause. Do you see it? So the passage is highlighting that as God's people did not do away with the, 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 the elements of heathenism in their homes and in their nation borders, when they did not do away with it, it stayed there. And when it stayed there, it polluted the entirety of that nation. Are you following? So, Listen, and we, we, we just have to be honest. Like, you and I have to be honest. When God gives us an instruction, and again, I don't need to list all the, the righteous instruction that heaven has for us, but you know the instruction heaven has given to you. When heaven gives you an instruction and says, put away this television program, put away this food, apologize for being mean and angry or having bitterness in your heart, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do or instructs you to do, and you decide, you know what? It's not that big a deal. I'm just going to do me. When you make that decision, that little thing metastasizes and becomes like cancer and multiplies and it becomes infectious and infects not only yourself, but it begins to infect other people around you. So you cannot with safety disconnect from God and then think you're going to be okay with everybody or you're going to do all these righteous behaviors and everything's going to be good. No, it is in those compromising moments that we find ourselves beginning to break up our foundation of love and we find ourselves slaves to sin. I speak not after the manner of a theory, <laughs> but I speak based on experience and based on counseling with others. Sin becomes like this galling yoke and chain because we have practiced what heaven says don't practice. So because they begin to taking the customs of the world, the traditions of the world, not seeing the things of the world as bad as they used to be, they found themselves in open rebellion. And my friends, this is going to transpire very soon amongst God's people. Yea, I would dare say it is happening now. It is happening now. 
and it's a it's not a it's not something that we should be taking lightly not one iota of 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 taking it lightly it should not be taken lightly at all let me take you to another passage psalm 78 psalms 78 and we're looking at verse 37 to 39 psalm 78 It says in Psalm 78, verses 37 to 39, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, amen, and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh. Praise the Lord. A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. So even in that, even in those moments of great rebellion, God is still patient with us and kind with us. He remembers that we are but flesh. Well, let me tell you a secret. That's why he took on flesh. Hmm? That's why he took on human flesh and he put this on so that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Are you following? Let's, let's, let's finish this up. So let me go back to my screen. Last thing I think I want to share with you, or coming close to the last thing. Let me back up here. So there was a curriculum. Let me show you the curriculum that the school of the prophets had. The curriculum that the school of the prophets had. And you will note here that this curriculum was physical, mental, and spiritual. Now, were there other things? There might have been other things that I don't, I'm not aware of, but these were the main things, principal things. Physically, the students were taught to work. They were taught to work. They were not just taught mental work. They were taught to physically labor, tilling soil, doing mechanical employment, they learned a trade. Every young man learned a trade. Even if he was going into gospel ministry or, or serving as a Levite, they were, there was a trade that was learned by each person. In fact, the teachers at the school supported themselves also by useful labor. So they weren't just being paid tuition. They actually were getting in the nitty-gritty themselves, some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Physical labor was a part of true education. What did they study? They studied the writings of the, the Hebrew writings. The Old Testament scriptures were open to them. They spent time meditating on God's law and, and thinking about the instruction that Moses gave with God's law. They reviewed sacred history. They listened to and understood sacred music, poetry. They traced the footsteps of Jehovah through history, they began to look at the types and services of the sanctuary, and they examined them because those were instructional, and they began to see that lamb that was brought every day for the sins of the people and began to learn about the plan of salvation. This was part of their mental ascension to information about God. But my friends, it didn't stop there. Lastly, there's the spiritual. They were taught the duty of prayer. And not just the duty, 
They were taught how to pray. Why, why would prayer be a duty? Because prayer is the breath of the soul. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you breathed? Oh, you just did. Oh, you did it again. <laughs> you just did it again, right? Your breath is the, prayer is the breath of the soul. We are to constantly be in fellowship with God, constant communion with God. That's why prayer is not always done in a steady place. Like I'm on my knees. I can be driving and praying. You know what I'm saying? I can be contemplating and meditating and thinking upon God's word and in fellowship with the most high. Prayer was a duty and they were taught how to pray. They were taught how to approach the creator. They were taught how to exercise faith. You know, there's a way to exercise faith. Actually, I was putting together a, a talk on that that I'll probably be doing very soon, but there's a way to exercise faith. It's not this whole, I pray for $1.5 million and God bless me $1.5 million. That's not how faith works. Faith is dependent upon God's word. And again, I do another study and another time on that. They were taught how to obey, to understand and obey. If God gives an instruction, you need to understand the instruction and you need to obey the teachings of God's Holy Spirit. How do you hear the Holy Spirit? How do you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you? These were all subjects taught at the school of the prophets. So my question, are you developing physically, mentally, and spiritually in these areas? Are you in fellowship with God continually? Are you making sure physically that you are exercising and eating and treating yourself well? <laughs> are, you, are you taking care of yourself? And your family, are you putting the best food on the table for them? Every time you put something out, it's an expression of your, your honor and glory to God. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Education is to teach us to honor God in all these spaces. All these spaces. Our study was simple tonight. Not, at least to me, not complicated at all. Foundation is love, and you can't love what you don't spend time with. So ask yourself the question, what's your education like? What is your education like? What are, what are you putting into your mind? What is in your experience? How are you reflecting the reality of this process? Because without true education, you and I, cannot truly have salvation. All right, very interesting question. And I appreciate the question. So the question is, what do you do? And Sister Alvira, can, can, if, I, if I brought you on, can you ask your question in person? Can let me, I'll let you talk. All right, let me stop sharing my screen. Sister Alvira, if you take your microphone off of silent, and you could just ask that question. Yeah, just take your microphone. There you go. So go ahead and ask your, ask your question, sis. Pastor, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, so my question is, so what do you do when you've been seeking God to do God's will in the past 10 years, but you haven't been... Um, excelling in the things that you've been doing but you have seeked God 
in pursuing them and you have involved God and yet the will of God is not clear in my life. Well, it's in my life, but it could be for somebody else. Sure. All right, so that's a great question. You, you know, the reality is, do you remember the man Elijah? And Elijah is literally, God told him to go and stand before this king and he goes and stands before the king and God does all these miraculous things for him. I mean, he does, I mean, he literally goes and does all these miraculous things for him. And then when he runs in front of the chariot, he gets back home and then he hears that the queen wants to kill him. He literally runs for all those days and he goes into depression. And Elijah really thinks that he has not been successful in what God has instructed him to do. Success is not based on what you perceive with your eyes, but success is knowing that you've done what God asked you to do. Now, if there are areas in particular, so if, if I am you, and for me, like say, for instance, my missionary training school, I have missionary training school. I know I've made mistakes in how I've organized things and but I only know I made those mistakes based on going back to what inspiration says and doing what they call like a um, troubleshooting, right? I'm troubleshooting. So if I'm you, I'll take time to troubleshoot and I'll take my Bible. I'll take the, the pen of inspiration and I'll line it up. Okay. Am I doing what God asked me to do here? Yes. Am I doing what God asked me to do here? Yes. Am I doing what God asked me to do here? Yes. If it is yes to everything, then go free in God's spirit. Because you don't know, like, think about uh, Noah. Remember Noah? He preaches for 120 years. There doesn't look like there are many baptisms, right? He had like eight people get on board the boat. It appears to his natural eye that he was not successful. But he was being obedient to what God asked him to do. And if he's obedient to what God, God asked him to do, success is found in that space. But if you're not being obedient to what God asked you to do, that's when you make the adjustment. But the only way to know that, uh, Psalms, I think it's Psalms. This, uh, let me sing it because I can't remember the, where, is it, where it is off the top of my head. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see, that's it. That's it. Psalms 139. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. So I guess my answer, let me simplify my answer to you. My answer is take your Bible, take your spirit of prophecy, go in a quiet place with the Lord, examine yourself according to Scripture. If you're doing everything that God asks you to do, then success is not dependent upon what you see with your eyes but you must walk by faith and not by sight. Okay. Does that make sense, sister? All right. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. Are there any other questions? Any other questions? Any other questions? Well, my friends, it has been a pleasure studying with you this evening. I encourage you, keep just spending that time with the Lord, uh, to the law and to the testimony. That's, that's God's word and his commandments. The pen of inspiration, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. 
Examine yourself to see where you have been faithful and unfaithful. Now, mind you, when you do this, you may become discouraged when you find that you have not been following all that God asked you to do. Remember uh, when they found the book of the law and they found that they had trespassed against God, they rent their garments. We have sinned. We have broken your law. They rent their garments because they realized they had not been following what God had instructed. And in doing so, my friends, they came to a point of repentance and God could do something for them. He couldn't stop all the results of their rebellion, but he could help them in that present moment in time. So I encourage you, examine yourself, examine yourself, go back. And we're constantly like I'm constantly, you know, the more you behold Christ, the less you think good of yourself. Like for real, the only good you think of is God loves me. But it won't be, oh, you know, I did this many Bible studies. I, I feed the homeless. Like, the more you get closer to God, the less you think of yourself in any good way. And you know the only way you made it is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, at the end of the day. But when you are being exposed, don't run away. Stay in his presence. Stay close to him. Because he's doing a thing in you where the scales of sin are falling off your eyes. And you are not comparing yourself among yourselves. But you're comparing yourself with the Most High. And set those goals, those dreams before the master. And he will tell you. He will tell you what's going on. He's faithful. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. I, I claim that, brothers and sisters, because I've made a ton of mistakes. Uh, too many. I know what to do not. <laughs> I know what not to do. <laughs> and I'm learning what to do. And by God's grace, he will deliver me from all of my problems, and I know by God's grace, he will deliver you from yours as well. Do I have another question here? Let me see. All right. No, I don't have another question. Praise God. All right, my friends. Thank you so much. You have a blessed evening. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study, to open your word, to see how you have dealt with your children in the past and how you continue to work with your children even in this present day. And Father, we ask that you take our hearts, for we cannot give them. They are yours. Keep them, for we cannot keep them ourselves. And we pray, Father, that you save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves, and raise us into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich currents of your love truly may flow through our souls. We love you, Lord. But we are asking that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. And I know that that only comes by beholding your dear son. So teach us, Father, how to see your son, that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. We pray this in Jesus' name and claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Amen. All right, my friends, blessed evening. Tomorrow night we're dealing with relationships, so we'll deal with that. And then on Wednesday we'll be dealing with prophecy. You have a good night. Invite a friend. Check out the, the uh, podcast. Um, you know, pray for us. If you want to donate something, donate something because every dollar helps, especially since we're going to be expanding our broadcast on television as well. So God bless you. You have a good night.